God One Ministries would like to humbly thank our gracious supporter, Heritage Roofing Incorporated, for today's show, and also for being our partner in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Welcome to the Apostles' Call. We're coming to you today from Ephesians 4. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Friends, family, and partners, join us now as we journey into the Word of God. Hello, and welcome to the Apostles' Call. I'm Rufus Burton, the pastor of the First Presbyterian Church in Martinsburg, West Virginia. My colleague, the Apostle R.C., is away today, but I'm joined today by Reverend Steve Moan. We're very glad to have you with us today, Steve. Welcome to the Apostles' Call. Thank you, Pastor. It's great to be here. So this morning, we'd like to begin with a dedication to the God One Ministry Association. This is a group of churches committed to the gospel and committed to this area. We're very pleased to be joined in ministry by you. We'd like to dedicate this show to you. Blessings on your work. May it grow and prosper. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord bless his mission in this part of the world. And so this morning, we begin in Luke chapter 11. Steve and I will be looking with you at prayer, at the importance of prayer in the Christian life, and some things we've found over the years about how to step into prayer and speak to and hear from the Lord. And so from Luke chapter 11, beginning at the first verse. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. This is God's holy and inerrant word. Well, Steve, I know it's a big topic, but you know, where would you like to begin with prayer? Or what have you found has helped you over the years? I think if we dissect the text first before sure. we go into it, you know, you have to remember who's saying this. Now, the Jewish people and the Jewish faith, they're a praying people. You know, they're three times a day. They're faithful, they pray, they believe in prayer. So for them to ask Jesus, teach us to pray, you know, how do we pray, is very significant. So it tells me that, that there's something there that we need to look at, no matter how awesome we think we pray, or, but we need to look at the text because I don't believe that it was given in, how do I want to say, I believe it was a format, mm -hmm. a layout. And if we dissect it and look at it, sure. you know, just like 
where he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lifting up the name of the Lord, exalting him. You know, he's our father. And as a father of four, if my children come to me, gimme, 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 gimme. And, you know, I want, I want, I want. I'm more tend to block them out. But if my children came to me and said, Dad, you're the greatest. You're the best dad in the world. I just love you. I would have my hands out like, what do you want? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I think he's laying it out for us, like how we should come to him or how he would like us to come to him. Sure. I, I think those are very well-made points. I mean, it's important that Luke begins telling us that Jesus was in a certain place praying and his disciples come to him wanting to know, wanting to be discipled. And I think that may be one of the first gleanings from the text is that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are to pray. And we're to seek his instruction in, in how to pray and then use, yeah, the, the Lord's Prayer as a, a format. And I think you're right. There is something to um, speaking to the Lord as our Heavenly Father is addressing him as the God of the universe, as the creator, um, as our kind and Heavenly Father. And that's going to alter, I think, the the things we ask for, because we aren't, we aren't seeking something from fate. Um, we aren't seeking good luck. We aren't dealing with some kind of angry Greek God. We're dealing with the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who teaches us to pray and teaches us to enter into the intimacy of that relationship that he's talking about. So yeah, I, um, I absolutely think you're right as, as, that, as the text opens and progresses. Absolutely. And, you know, we tend to, in in our humanity, look at God as a far off, something that is unreachable, unfathomable, unobtainable. But he wants us to know that he's as close as our father, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and he's right here waiting for us to appeal to him with our needs, with our questions, and not so much our need for things, but our need for him and his kingdom on this earth. Oh, I, 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 that's a really well-made point. Uh, and it's important that it is an appeal to the Father. And so I think there is something to it when Jesus says, when you pray, say. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, this is part of why I have a prayer closet so I can go someplace quiet, not be disturbed and say, you know, it's sometimes it's appropriate to say those kinds of things in your head. Other times it's important to vocalize our prayer, to actually hear what we're praying and address the Lord with our needs and address him for who he is. So you're right. As, as the prayer opens there with some concerns that don't come immediately to our minds, you know, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. And so here we begin talking about the grace and glory of God. Here we begin talking about his kingdom and praying for its expanse. And those are important prayers, particularly in a day and age and in a culture where uh, the greatness of the Lord is hotly debated um, and where the spread of his kingdom is resented, is fought, 
you know, we pray for it so that all those ways in which God's name is known, I mean, the expansion of his church, the expansion of ministry, the expansion of discipleship in our world are things for which we pray because they don't occur naturally or by chance or by default or because we want them to. I think in many ways, their expansion is tied, or the Lord has tied their expansion to the prayers of his people. And there's some things that the people of the Lord don't see or experience until they have prayed for them. And the Lord ties, you know, his fulfillment of those promises to the prayers of his people. And so it's important to pray and begin in places where it's not obvious to us to pray. Amen. I think you made a good point. I want to go back where you were talking about praying out loud. I don't know about you, but what I've found is that it's so important to me to pray out loud. And this is why. Sometimes I will. I'll just give a thought to God. But it's so important for me to pray out loud because if I'm thinking about it and praying with my mouth, I don't know about you, but I got racing thoughts. Sure. If I just sit and try and think about God, I'll think about going to work. I'll think about mowing the grass. I'll think about fixing the lawnmower. I'll think about, you know, what I'm going to do later. So my mind, but if I open my mouth, so I have to use my mouth and my brain all at the same time, it doesn't leave much room for anything else. And I, I find it hard with a busy and a, and a, and a very hard schedule to focus on the things that I want to seek God for and talk to God about. So it keeps me from, it keeps my mind from wandering off because I actually have to use my brain to open my mouth. So it kind of occupies my brain while I'm thinking about what I want to appeal to God about. It also requires my brain to speak. So it kind of keeps my mind from drifting off. Right. Oh, I, that's an extraordinarily important lesson. I think you're right. I, I often have relied on the, the prayers of saints, I, by which I mean, you know, a book or a collection of prayers. For me in particular, it's the, the Valley of Vision is a prayer resource I use. In the sense that in reading that out loud, I can steady my own mind yes. and then focus on some things that I may not have, have thought of. Because I often go to the Lord with what is the most pressing need. And because I haven't thought about it or thought it through, you know, the number of issues facing me seems insurmountable or infinite. But when you're calm enough to actually make that list of stuff that's on your mind, of things for which to pray, it's a, it's a finite list. You know, you, you come to an end of it. The other thing I've found is the importance of keeping a, a prayer journal to keep in mind those things that need to be prayed for over time so that it's not just simply, you know, whatever the crisis of the week is or, you know, the most pressing health concern in the congregation or something else, but, you know, focuses more broadly on the mission and work of the church or for missionaries or to be praying through the the promises of God, his attributes, um, even in an effort just to shape my own self and my own discipleship so that I'm not, I'm not just this bundle of need or want or 
you know, gimme gimme's um, from the Lord, but approach it as a well-informed disciple who's been taught how to pray. So yeah, I, I, I think that's I, part of the importance of, of saying it out loud. I, I agree. But I also know that there's, you know, there's times in my life where I had no idea how to pray. I was in such a, what do you, a, a tight spot or I was under such pressure um, in a dark place, did not know how to pray. And basically all that came out was moanings and groanings. You know, I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know what to say, but I need you. I just need you. And I believe he honors those too. Mm-hmm. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I believe we need to be informed about how to pray and sure. what to pray for. But there will be times in our lives where all you're gonna, all you're gonna be able to do is just cry. Sure. And and that has been some of the most rewarding times in my life is when I was able to get on my knees and just cry out to God. And and you know, I think there's a profound statement when we get on our knees or get on our face before God. So there's sometimes that I can sit in my chair at home in my lazy chair and just, you know, pray and talk to God. But there's sometimes that I just got to get on my knees or get on my face and just cry out because I feel I have a, a, a urgency or a unction to get on my face or to get on my knees and cry out to God. Very well-made points. I mean, I th- what comes to mind immediately is is Paul in Romans eight talking about those groanings too deep for words. Yes, and occasionally we're just there, mm. and and that happens. And you're right. One of the things I have found is that I can do a little mini spiritual checkup on my ability to um, sit down and concentrate on the words of the Lord's prayer. And often I'll know that, you know, things are not as well as they should be with my spirit if I can't make it through the prayer. And so it becomes the process of calming myself enough to make it through the prayer in order then to focus on what's um, actually going on. Now, that's a, that's a different kind of prayer than, you know, those moments where you find yourself in desperate need and it's a it's a groan or an appeal or, you know, help Jesus. Um, you know, at that place of quiet, and how, how are things? You know, how is my walk with the Lord? What does that look like? And what I have found is when you find yourself in those dry places where prayer is not easy or it is hard, that's precisely the moment when you need to step into it and be faithful in the discipline because that's what forms us because my what i have found is that the enemy will they will make it hard it will, just not easy and making it mildly inconvenient will lead us away from it and then as you walk away from it you know that's then where you'll stand then with the wicked and sit in the company of the unrighteous and then suddenly you're very far from prayer and so um, you know, I think part of what the disciples want out of the Lord in Luke 11 is, is a way to know, you know, how to, how to see where they are and then how to come back if they've wandered away. Definitely. And we see with 
with the Lord and all through the New Testament where Jesus got separated from everybody and he got by himself. And and I believe he was the same thing, crying out to God and, and, and praying. Um, I find that if I don't get my time with the Lord in the mornings, my decision-making process is affected. My attitude is affected. Um, everything about me is different. And those around me can recognize it too. Um, that's where I get my center. That's where I get refocused. Um, because sometimes we make things about what they're not about. Whether it be situations in our lives, whether it be our own thought process. And we tend to get off focus or, or out of kilter or off the beaten path. And, and in order to refocus and find my center again is where I find it in prayer. Tremendously so. And I think that's some of what's behind then that prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. So it's important. I, I think you're right. and want to commend this to our listening audience that it, that prayer is best said at the start of the day. I mean, it, it's one thing like Peter Marshall to check, see what dinner is so that he doesn't pray as a hypocrite or, you know, say grace at the end of the meal so we can kind of, you know, rate how it was. But that's important at the start of the day to realize that the day is a gift. Our life is a gift. And here we are as followers of the Lord Jesus who've been given all these additional gifts. And what we look forward to is the giftedness of the day. And that begins with the gift of his grace. And then the means by which we sustain life and our life and discipleship. And I think you're right, that that radically alters the way we approach our day, our life, our discipleship. When we realize that everything we have, we've been given by God's free grace. And because it is all of free grace, we're able to look to him as his thankful people. And that, that sense of gratitude and wonder, I think, is part of what marks disciples and marks um, a, a faithful walk with the Lord. For sure. I, I know that it's hard to be grateful if I don't come to the, he said, I'll be first. I'll be second to none. He wants to be the first thing on our minds when we wake up and the last thing on our minds when we go to bed. And he wants that. Uh, he, he actually, that's what we were created for. We were created to worship him mm-hmm. and to have relationship with him. Um, intimacy with God is, that's where it starts. It starts in our prayer lives because intimacy is not just sexual intimacy is knowledge, knowledge of God. You know, I have a friend and we're really close and he's like, almost like my dad. Uh, I don't have a dad, so he's like my dad. And, and we talk every day and we're very close and something will happen and somebody will come to me and they'll tell me what's going on. And they say, I got to call, you know, this friend, cause I'm not going to expose the names, but and I'll, I'll tell him, I'll say, this is what he's going to say. And they look at me kind of funny, but they call him and that's the same response that they get. How did you know that? Well, because I know him. Um, like Paul said in Philippians that I, w- I want to know him. 
that intimate knowledge so that when a situation arises in our lives, we already know how God would react and how God feels about it because we have that intimate relationship with him. We know how he would react. And that's where it starts is in our prayer life. Sure. It, very much so. I mean, that's how the New Testament gets written on our hearts. And as, as we trace that every day in our hearts, it enables us to live there. I mean, this is one of the things I remember, you know, early in, in my walk, you know, we all had the WWJD bracelets. And I remember vividly a sermon. I was in high school or college and some youth director came and said, look, if you're to the point where you have to ask that question, you've probably gone further than you you wanted to go. <laughs> exactly. And often he was right because, you know, in, in high school or college, what we're actually thinking is, you know, so there I am in the bar and she come, you know, oh, let's go find someplace else. And you think, what would Jesus do with it? The clear answer to that is one, not be there. So, you know, what, <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? And so, you know, you're right. That, that begins in, in prayer. And so, you know, what would Jesus do? Have a steady walk with, you know, with his father. And, you know, when you know the Lord, when you know his ways, when you've been instructed by him how to pray. Now, I think it's important that the confession for sin that Jesus teaches us here, you know, forgive us our, our sins, comes after that remembrance of God's grace and his free gift. So it's always as the redeemed, always as those who can trust in the Lord for redemption, that we come to him with a knowledge of our own sin, of our own need for his redemption, and then our own need to, to forgive others. And that, I think that's one of those things that keeps our sinfulness in check is our sense of gratitude and that sense of intimacy that we have with the Lord. Because if you, if you have a best friend whom you know very well, you aren't going to go out of your way to betray that friendship because it just, it's, it's not how things are done. It's not how we're wired. That's right. Because when you're, you have that intimate relationship with somebody, you know what hurts them. And so you tend not to go down that route. You tend not to pursue those avenues because you don't want to hurt that individual. I agree 100%. And it's, it's, it's great to remind ourselves because I don't know about you, but you know, life tends to drag me to a place where I forget how great God is, how awesome God is. And I tend to make decisions or try to make decisions in my life without consulting the source of all of my strength and all of my, you know, so if we, if we tend to go to him first, then he's there when we need him, you know, and for me, and that's what exactly what it is. It's making sure that I put him first so that when I go through my day and I go into situations that he's there to, to remind me, hey, son, that, that's, not, that's not right. Or, or hey, son, I, that, that's what you should do. And because and, and, I can't live without that. Without that, I have no life. Yeah. That's an extremely well-made point. And part of what we're saying and part of what our listening audience needs to hear is that we're talking about a, a living relationship with a personal God who is 
a living Savior. And so this really is not um, us speaking into the echo of the void or, you know, having some kind of, you know, vain imaginings in a coloring book or talking about something, if you will, that doesn't exist or can't intervene in our world. But this is the Lord who is the creator who has entered into relationship with us is as near to us as our next breath and in whom, you know, all of our being coheres. And so part of what we're saying is that we can know the truth of what Christ is saying here by our own Christian experience. You can walk with the Lord and experience this for yourself so that What Steve and I are talking about is not something far away or distant. Um, You know, this is two men with real lives, with real crosses and losses in their lives, who understand that it is difficult sometimes to find time to pray and who know deeply um, the, the fruits of prayer and in our own experience have felt the blessings of the Lord Jesus, and particularly in his, his teaching here. And so we rely on that intimacy, and that's largely an intimacy that's cultivated in prayer, particularly in, in daily prayer. And I think that's what Jesus is after here. Um, you know, and it, part of what Paul reminds us when he tells us to pray without ceasing, you know, to make our lives lives of prayer. And I think, you know, for me, it helps me to keep it from becoming a religion, mm. you know, because he doesn't want us to be religious. You can be religious about everything. It's about relationship. And that's, that's, that's what God wants from us, most of all, is relationship with him. And, and I think prayer is an intimate time with him, a one-on-one, so to speak. And how many times I would love to have a sit-down, a one-on-one with my father, which you know, isn't going to happen. But, but with my father in heaven, I can have that. And for me, that time is precious because I remember that he created all things. Not only did he create me, he created everything that ever was. And so he's willing to take time and listen and care about what bothers me. I, which I think is a tremendously hopeful word in, in our time. Because let's face it, everybody's got a hold button. You can call a church and be put on hold. You can call the plumber and be put on hold. Um, I mean, there's not anyone you call and you're not put on hold and told that, you know, your phone call is important to us and we will answer it in the order in which it was received. But if you'd like to leave a message now, feel free to leave the message and, and we might could possibly get back to you if, if you tell us that, you know, it, it's a big job. Amen. Well, here's the Lord, right? The creator of heaven and earth, the God of the universe, who wants to enter into that time with us, with you. And that's what Pastor Steve and I are trying to say this morning, is that this prayer is not something for a group of spiritual elites. Prayer is for you. Uh, The disciples from long ago and far away, are not so different than us. They too had to ask the Lord how to pray. And so if you find yourself in a dry season, if you find yourself in need of hope, if you find yourself in need of the Lord's love, what we're saying this morning is on behalf of Jesus Christ, 
Be reconciled to God. Find your home in Him. Come and welcome to Jesus Christ. In business, you've got enough issues hanging over your head. Worrying about your roof shouldn't be one of them. So Heritage Roofing has you covered. Whether it's putting a new roof on right or properly inspecting and upkeeping your existing one, we know your roof from top to bottom. Did you know one out of three roofs never reach their life expectancy? And almost half of all premature roofing failures are due to poor workmanship. That's why periodic inspections and routine maintenance can increase the life of any roof system by up to 50%. We take photos before we start and after we're finished. It's like bringing the roof to you. Heritage also offers complete inspections of our work before, during, and after the project. Even if we didn't put the roof on, we're happy to do your inspection. Our job is to make sure your roof does its job. Heritage roofers, inspectors, and estimators are up to date before we ever go up on your roof. We take classes on the latest safety codes, we earn certifications, we understand the latest technology, and we know whether manufacturer's warranties are available for your roof. Our lead inspector is one of only a few hundred registered roof consultants in the entire country. And our master technicians have been recognized with three national awards. Heritage Roofing is trusted throughout the four-state area for all types of commercial roof installation and repair. From corporate and industrial to government agencies, boards of education, financial institutions, healthcare facilities, places of worship, and more. For prompt, reliable, high-quality repairs, Heritage Roofing has raised the standard. We exceed the commercial service industry standard, and we've earned our reputation as service industry leaders. Your business has to keep its eye on the bottom line. So when it comes to your roof, put us on top of it. Heritage Roofing.